of anything that brings better news than to hear that someone who was sick, terminally ill, on life support, that they've been healed. I mean, it's just good news. And as we've been studying, Jesus went around teaching, preaching, but also demonstrating good news. He was casting out demons, delivering people, as we saw in the previous section, and everywhere he went, he healed the sick. And we saw verse after verse after verse, he healed them all. He healed every manner of sickness, every kind of disease. He healed them all. There were no special cases that were beyond his ability. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. And as we've been seeing, especially last week, the critical ingredient that you and I must mix with this good news is faith. Without faith, it's difficult to please the Lord. Impossible. You know, there are two things the Bible says are impossible. What are they? It's impossible for God to lie, and that leads to the second impossibility. It's impossible to please God unless we trust in Him. How can we trust in Him? He's a God who cannot lie. So when God says something, as Pastor Ernie used to say, you can take it to the bank. It's like gold. And these promises are not maybe, they're not sometimes. 2 Corinthians 1 says they are yes and amen in Christ Jesus for the glory of God. So, we're going to continue in our outline on page 21. We finished last time talking about healing being the children's bread. And when Jesus used that expression, he was talking to someone who wasn't even a child at that time. The children at that time were only the Israelites. And in the context, he was speaking to a Canaanite woman, a Gentile woman, who came to him for healing, and he repeatedly ignored her, denied her, but she would not take no for an answer. And finally she said, yes, Lord, but even crumbs fall from the table. He said, woman, your faith is great. Your daughter is healed. And if you go back over all the scriptures we've looked in this section, I think you're going to begin to see a clear picture. God is interested in faith. He's looking at our faith. It's more important than anything else. And if we will approach every circumstance of life with that attitude, I think we will learn, little by little, how to please God. It doesn't mean we have a magic wand that will change every situation instantly, but if we go through our challenges and our trials with faith, we are more than conquered. And God is pleased. Now, we're looking at section J, And I find this one fascinating. What kind of method should we use if we're trying to minister healing to someone? And there's a problem even in that question that I just asked. It's not about the method. Jesus used a whole variety of methods to heal the sick. And we may try to copy one of those methods and wonder why we're not getting the same results. It's not about the method. It's about being led by the Holy Spirit. And in some cases, Jesus laid his hands on the sick person and they were healed. But not always. Sometimes people touched him. And we read one of those instances, the woman with the issue of blood, she touched him without him even knowing it, and she got healed. And he felt the power go out from him as that woman made contact with him. I want you to notice in most of these, I hate to use the word method, but for lack of a better word, in most of these methods, there was some kind of physical contact. 
I think that's important. And whether it was through Jesus touching them, or them touching Jesus, or Jesus touching something that then in turn touched them, there was some kind of a contact, some sort of a connection that was made in order to bring about that healing. Pastor Quasi and I went to visit someone who's sick today. And as we laid hands to pray for her, I literally felt like electricity go through my hand. I felt power go from me into her. And often, you know, we experience that when we're laying hands on people. I don't understand it. And there were cases like the centurion that we studied last week. He said, Lord Jesus, you don't even need to come to my house. Just speak the word. And I know that my servant will be healed. Jesus marveled at that kind of faith. He says, I haven't found that kind of faith in all of Israel. So it doesn't necessarily require physical contact or for us to even be physically in the same place with the sick person. It's according to their faith. And if you really look at the... The Greek in that story, what the centurion literally said was, all you need to do is speak a word, literally just one word. (laughs) And I know my servant will be, I don't know which word he was thinking about, but maybe just yes. And sometimes Jesus did very unorthodox things. There was one case in John 9 where he mixed his saliva with dirt and made like a mud mixture and put it on a blind man's eye. Don't ask me. I'm not going to go copy that. I never have. The Holy Spirit's never told me to do it. But if he does, we better be obedient. The question is, is that the method that always brings healing to blindness? No. God, for some reason, told Jesus to do it that way that day, and he was obedient to the Father. Faith and obedience is the key. And you read about some of the great healers like Smith Wigglesworth. This guy did some really strange things. He would have people with tumors in their stomach come to his campaign, and he would punch them in the stomach, and the tumor would disappear. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try to do that. I don't want a lawsuit on my hands. But if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, be obedient. And a lot of these things go against natural reasoning. Another time, Jesus spat and he laid hands not once but twice on a blind man because the first time he prayed, he didn't get full healing. He saw men like trees and he had to pray a second time and then his sight was fully restored. We talked about this in the previous section on deliverance. Sometimes sickness was caused by an evil spirit, and because Jesus discerned the cause of the sickness, he used the right prescription. He cast the demon out. He cast out evil spirits that were causing a lot of the infirmities and afflictions that people had. Sometimes there were people who were paralyzed, or they had a, a crippled or an atrophied limb, and he told them, get up and walk, or use your hand. Well, that makes no sense. Why do I need to come to Jesus if I can already stretch out my hand? But in obeying the word of Jesus, their hand was healed. Their legs were strengthened. And so when he told them to get up and walk, they walked. When he told them to stretch out their hand, their hand was made whole. Now let's look at healing in the disciples and in the early church. Uh, We are his disciples. And I don't think 
he makes any distinction between what was going on in the book of Acts and what should be going on in our experience today. Contrary to what some would teach, healings and miracles did not suddenly end with the demise of the first century church. That's ridiculous. Jesus said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore go, make disciples of nations, lay hands on their sick, cast out demons, and it will take place. In Matthew 10, Jesus gave two things to his disciples, and these are not synonymous. He gave them power and he gave them authority. I'll talk a little bit about the distinction in a minute, but let's look at a couple of verses. Matthew 10, verse 1, and then we'll drop down to verse 5. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal the common cold and a headache, to heal every disease, there it is, and every sickness. These 12, by the way, notice these 12, even Judas Is that amazing or what? Even Judas was given that authority. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And in Mark 6, verse 13, they, the disciples, drove out a couple demons, many demons, and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. By the way, there is no instance in the Gospels of Jesus using oil. But he obviously taught the disciples to do that, and it became an ordinance in the early church, which we have studied before in James chapter 5. But Jesus never did it. The disciples did. They anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Now, notice in this next scripture, both words appear together, power and authority. When Jesus had called the twelve together, this is Luke 9, verses 1 and 2. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. Now, when you break the speed limit, well, let me say, if you ever break the speed limit, and a policeman pulls you over, he has two things. He has power and he has authority. (laughs) Now, what's his authority what gives him the authority to stop you? He has a badge. He, he has been invested by the county or by the state because of his training and all the stuff that he's done, da-da-da-da-da. He is a police officer. He has graduated from the police academy. He has a, a number and, and all that stuff. He is licensed to be a policeman. It gives him absolute authority, not only to pull your car over. If he doesn't like what you're doing and thinks you're breaking some laws, he will put handcuffs on you and put you in jail. He has authority to do that. I don't. If you try to stop me alongside the road and say, all right, Pastor Wayne, I'm taking you to jail, I'm going to laugh at you. And I'm going to say, you don't have authority. Now, you might have the power. What's the policeman's power? Come on. What's his power? 
Well, first of all, he has several weapons on his body, which hopefully he will not use on you, but if you become extremely unruly, he might have to. He has handcuffs. He has a taser. He has a variety of things to subdue you and to arrest you if he needs to. So he has power and he has authority. Jesus gave his disciples both. We have the dunamis, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, but we also have the authority. Because we are under God's authority, he has given us authority to act in his name on his behalf. So when I cast out a demon, I do it in Jesus' name. I'm not doing it in my own name or my own authority. As a representative of the King of Heaven and a representative of the Kingdom of God, I can speak to a demon and say, get out. I can speak to a sickness and command it to leave because I've been given that authority. If I didn't have the authority, I'd be a fool going around laying hands on people saying sickness be gone demon get out of here but both of these are important for us to understand we've been given power and authority to drive out demons and to cure sicknesses in luke chapter 10 verses 8 and 9 jesus said when you enter a town and are welcomed eat what is set before you heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Kingdom speaks about both power and authority. The king has given us authority, and the king has given us power. And scripture that we've quoted often, (coughs) excuse me, Mark chapter 16, verses 17 to 20, Jesus promised healing to everyone who believes. There it is again, believes. These signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. When Matthew describes this same scene, he adds the words that Jesus spoke, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you can now go and preach, make disciples, cast out demons, and lay hands on the sick. Okay, let's move to the book of Acts and see how this really continued in the early church after Jesus was resurrected and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Very familiar story in Acts 3, the story of the crippled man who was there in front of the temple. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Everyone knew this man. He was like a permanent fixture in the temple. They saw him there every single day. There he was, crippled and begging. Verse 3, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. 
So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. And just a side note, but Peter and John, I guess, had not learned the prosperity gospel that has taken over America. Silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do, he had something. He didn't have silver and gold, but he had something. What I do have, I give you. What did he have? The two things we just mentioned. And I can tell you that from the very next words out of his mouth. In the name of Jesus. That's authority. I'm not coming in my name. I have authority that's been given to me by Jesus. And I have power. In the name of Jesus, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him, they all knew him. When they all saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Peter said to, to the, sorry, Peter said to them, by faith... In the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. By the way, I like the word complete healing. You don't find that anywhere else in the New Testament, but it's complete healing that Peter and John were preaching and believing. And notice... The repetition here, it's in Jesus' name that this has happened. Because Jesus gave authority, because Jesus gave power, it's in his name and through him that this healing is taking place. One chapter later in Acts 4, after there was some persecution in the early church, they gathered all of the church together for a prayer meeting. And this is what they prayed. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We did that last year throughout our 21 days of fasting and prayer. And look what God has done throughout the year. We're going to pray that again this this January. I mean, we're really going to cry out to God. Now, that's Acts 4, verse 30. Did God answer their prayer? Very next chapter. What's, What's going on? Peter's shadow is healing all the sick laid out in the street. I think God will take us seriously if we're serious. If we really pray, we want to see God stretch out his hand to heal the sick, cast out devils, perform miraculous signs and wonders. Because people in our culture today, they think God is a joke. And yet, when they get real sick, who do they call? The pastor, the priest, the minister. Somehow, they know in their heart of hearts that this is where they need to come when things get really bad. And I don't know if you've noticed with this terrible shooting in Connecticut, you notice how many pastors they're calling onto the TV talk shows and asking them for their prayers and asking them for their counsel and their insight. God has a way of setting the stage for you and me to be able to speak, even in this dark antichrist world in which we live. 
So they pray, stretch out your hand to heal. Acts 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's why I'm so passionate about this. I want to see people get saved. I want to see people turning to the Lord. And I know this isn't the only reason, but very often God wants to demonstrate his power and, of course, his love and compassion by healing the sick and casting out demons because people turn to the Lord as a result. Look at verse 15. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and, say it louder, all of them were healed. I would say God answered their prayer in chapter 4. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders. And this is one clear fulfillment of what Jesus promised in John 14. Greater works than these you will do. There's no evidence in the Gospels of Jesus' shadow healing sick people. You know, think about how humble our God is. He actually allows mortal man to perform things more miraculous than the holy, sinless Son of God when he walked this earth. That just blows my mind. If, if I were God, and be very thankful I'm not, if I were God, I would want, you know, that to my credit. No one else ever healed the sick with their shadow. Only I did that. Just the opposite. Jesus says, I'm going to let you guys do greater things than I ever did when I walked this earth. What an amazing God. Acts 8, when Philip went down to the Samaritans, it says he proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw what? When they saw the miraculous signs he did, they all did what? They paid close attention. God has a way of getting people's attention when miracles are taking place. They paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. Next chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 9. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, a paralytic, who had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and did what? Oh, pay close attention to that story. One man got healed. What happened to two towns? They turned to the Lord. You see, this business of healing and deliverance, it's not some sort of a side item. It's the centerpiece of the gospel. It's so that people will know that God has authority to forgive their sins. He's going to heal their sickness first. So they'll now listen to the rest of the gospel and get saved. Turn to the Lord with all of their hearts. Very, very important. Acts 14, verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man crippled in his feet. He was lame from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. 
Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. Now somebody please tell me, how can you see faith? What does that mean? How did Paul see that this man had faith? I think it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's the discerning of spirits. Discernment is not just to discern a demon. He discerned that this man had a spirit of faith operating in his life. When he saw that he had faith to be healed, he called out, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Wow. Acts 19. Here's a new method that we never saw in the four Gospels. Jesus never did this. He allowed Paul to be the first to be used in this way. Acts 19.11 says God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. Of course, he can't do that anymore, right? God ran out of power. He can't do extraordinary things anymore. Oh, come on. Pastor, I think some, maybe on New Year's Eve or something, we need to just take like a half an hour and run through all the miracles that this church has seen and experienced in 2012. There's a long list of them. We've seen extraordinary things this year. Paul was doing extraordinary miracles. How? So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. How is a handkerchief that I've touched going to bring healing or deliverance to somebody on the other side of town? I don't know. Again, notice it has something to do with physical contact. Somehow, the anointing that's on the man or the woman of God gets transmitted to that piece of cloth, and God honors that even when it touches the sick. Do you remember, uh, when was it, Pastor? About a year ago, we had that lady in church with us one Sunday who had the picture of her grandson, right? Who was in a mental institution, had been there for months and months and months. And God inspired me to have us lay hands on that picture. And we told her, take that picture to the nursing home, to your grandson. And God is going to set him free. He was discharged from that hospital the next day. She went that very afternoon in obedience to what we told her to do. She took the picture with her after we laid hands on that photo. And the man was set free and sent home the next day. I heard an even more amazing story by a famous evangelist. He had laid hands on a t-shirt. This lady came to him so broken and burdened for her son. He was a homeless drug addict living under a bridge somewhere in the city. Just completely demon-possessed. People had tried to talk to him to no avail. He was just gone. Mind completely burned out on drugs, bound by the devil. So she came with tears and, and gave this t-shirt to the man of God. Said, pray, pray over this t-shirt. I'm going to take it to my son. And we're going we're gonna to agree that God sets him free. Well, I heard all of this story, not from the mother, but from the son, who's now a preacher of the gospel, a full-time minister. She took that t-shirt to him under the bridge. Just She didn't even say anything to him. Said, here, son, I, I brought you a t-shirt. He put the t-shirt on. God set that man free. He is now preaching gospel. We need faith. 
I'm preaching to myself tonight. We got to have faith. We got to get stirred up and start believing God for extraordinary things, especially in this coming new year. I want to see God do extraordinary things. Not that I need to see them. I've seen enough miracles in my 38 years, but I want to see people turn to the Lord. And that's what I see in a lot of these stories. Not only the individual that was healed, but sometimes whole towns turn to Christ because of that miracle. Look in Acts 28, right up to the last chapter of Acts. God is healing the sick. <clears throat> there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. This is the island that Paul and others landed on when they were shipwrecked. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this happened, everybody else on the island went to sleep. What it says? The rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. Wow. It doesn't say some of them. It says the rest of them. Man, when news like that starts to get around on an island, you better believe all the sick are going to come. People will do anything to get relief from their pains, from their sicknesses, from their diseases. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists the charismata, the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations of the Spirit. Let's just read the whole passage and then I'm going to comment on one of these gifts in particular. Now to each one, what's each one mean? Everybody but you, right? To each one, the manifestation. What's a manifestation? Something you can see, something you can hear, something that is known. It's not hidden, it's known. God wants to manifest himself through you and through me. That's why he's given us the Holy Spirit. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one... There is given the Spirit, through the Spirit, sorry, let me read that again. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message or the word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith. This is a supernatural gift of faith, not just the ordinary faith that every believer is given. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts Notice it's in plural, gifts of healing. And to be more specific, if you look at the Greek, it should be translated gifts of healings. Both gifts and healings is in the plural in the original Greek. Gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, a prof first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, certainly in the 21st century, we don't need healing anymore in the church, right? Because with modern science, all sickness and disease has been eradicated. You know, I was sort of taught that 
coming up in school that modern science and modern medicine was conquering polio and eradicating tuberculosis and all these diseases and we were told that there was a day in the not too distant future where all these diseases be eradicated you know nothing could be further from the truth even the doctors and the medical experts are admitting this and they're writing extensively about it in their journals that we have a crisis on our hands of even common things like pneumonia, tuberculosis, and other infectious diseases. They've developed immunity to all the known antibiotics. They've become like superbugs, and they don't have any antibiotics that work anymore. And they say one of the most dangerous places on the face of the earth to be is in the hospital. Because there you have these superbugs that have developed immunity to all the antibiotics that they know. So I would say, even in the 21st century, with all of our medical knowledge and gizmos and devices, we still need, maybe even more than they needed in the first century, gifts of healings. I don't know, I've not read too much uh, on that particular topic, but I would understand that even in the realm of healing, God gives different ones specific gifts. Maybe a gift to heal cancer. Maybe a gift to heal diabetes. But specific kinds of healings that manifest themselves through different people within the body of Christ. But let it be known clearly The Holy Spirit is ready and willing and certainly has the power to manifest healing in a variety of ways within the body of Christ. We need to really start praying like they did in Acts chapter 4. Lord, stretch out your hand to heal every manner of sickness and disease and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus, and let it be so that many will turn to the Lord. Not only the individual that gets healed, but their family, their neighborhood, their city, their place of work. Let many turn to the Lord as you manifest your healing power. We come to James chapter 5, where clear instructions are given to the church. This is after all those things that we read about in the book of Acts, this is the clearest instance in the New Testament to the church of what we should do when one of our own, someone within the church, is sick. Now, do we ever have sick people in the church? No. Good Lord. I finished this study last week, and we ended up here like another hour ministering to almost everyone that was in the Bible study that needed healing. What does James say? Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Don't ask me what the oil does. I know it's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. I know God can heal without it. But if he says to do it this way in the church, let's follow the instruction. Sometimes it's just simple obedience that God is looking for. Call the elders, pray over him, and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will, not might, will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. I didn't make this up. 
James wrote it, and it's part of the Bible. I just wish more churches would follow this prescription before we go for all the other prescriptions. I've put a section in here that I'm very passionate about. And maybe in my earlier years of ministry, I would not have spoken as much about this. And although I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, it doesn't minimize the importance of it. Above and beyond all that we've studied and all that we've seen about